we always joke around about the uh, the Justin Giannutos and the uh, oh, Andy yeah, Johnsons of the world. And one of so, these guys? Yeah, like how many bands are yeah. you in at this <laughs> point? Yeah, it's happened, it? I've become one of those guys. Yeah. Check it it's what we're doing. Come and check it out. It's what we're all about. Welcome, welcome to 561 Music. My name's Ben. And I'm Hunter. Oh, crap. No, wait. I'm Hector. I'm Hector. Yeah, I got confused because, you know, he's way more charismatic than me, and he was here last week. So <laughs> I tell you what, um, as nice as it was to have someone filling in, it's nice to have you back, baby. It's nice to have you back. Uh, you want to replace me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. I don't know what I'd do without you in my life. You pretty much... Run it and organize I com- it. For I complete me. you. Go ahead. So you can say it. I complete you. You complete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so um, you've been on some adventures. Why don't you talk about oh, that? Oh, man. Have I been on some adventures? Uh, we went to, um, so uh, Gavin, my son, is in um, Young Fiction. And they kicked off their tour this week, uh, this past week. And uh, they kicked off their tour on Thursday at the Whiskey A Go Go of all freaking places. And, um, I got to tell you, I was telling Justin before the show, um, you know, they, they're a good band and they, you know, and they sound good when they play live. They sound amazing on their recordings and stuff. Um, but they're a young band. So, you know, they have, they have their growing, their growing pains and, and stuff like that. And, um, I, I got to tell you, man, like I, you know, I had a conversation with them prior to, uh, to them going out on tour about, you know, like guys, you know, this is like a big deal. Like, you know, you never know who's going to be there, and if for no for no other reason, there'll be video floating around there, and this is like a resume builder. You know, like bring it, like leave yeah. everything you have there. And yeah. uh, I got to tell you, man, I am so proud of those guys. Yeah. Every one of them killed it, man. Oh wow! They were all animated. They were having fun. They were goofing off on stage while they were playing. There was no dead air time between songs. Like even if Dylan or something was like having some crazy tuning issues, they were all talking and interacting with the crowd or like you know talking to each other, like. It was just a good show. It was a good entertaining show. And as crazy as this sounds, there was five bands, I think there were, that yeah. night, um, in- including one with some of the members of Guns N' Roses and stuff. So, I mean, there was there was some you know big deal people there. Yeah. Um, there was five bands there that night. I have to say their band performed the best. Like, I, and, I and, believe it. And got the best reaction. Uh, yeah. Everybody else was kind of walking around while the other bands were playing, and everybody was glued to the stage while they were playing and cheering and screaming and whatever, and they picked up – they picked up like something like another hundred and something fans on their Instagram like just that night and sold a Whoa. bunch of merch and everything. Yeah, no, they That's did awesome. really well. And then they, um, then they, uh, uh, a couple of days later, they played at uh, the Viper Room, um, and that was a uh, Stage Bomb podcast production. Okay. She she uh, she set that all up and got a bunch of bands from South Florida and as well as a few California bands. Yeah, and um, and she set that up at the Viper um, again. Well, that night. Everybody killed it. So I was very, very proud of South Florida you know, music, the music scene here. Yeah, man. Um, everybody brought it. But, uh, yeah, man, again, they just killed it. Killed it, man. Like, Excellent. They just, yeah, they just did so well. But isn't it, like, convenient? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you, your son was in, like, a terrible band. <laughs> I mean, you know, it could happen, you know. Yeah, you know? totally. I mean, it could happen. No, it's really awesome, man. I, I, <clears throat> I'm super proud of him and, and them and their adventures. I've, you know, I know Gavin. I know... 
Coa and all, all the guys. I know them pretty well now. Yeah. Done some stuff with them, and I'd love to see him doing well. Dude, it was just funny. They, they, you know, we flew out there on Wednesday. The first show was Thursday. Um, he had a show Thursday to show uh, Saturday. So, you know, we, we did some L.A. stuff, the usual, you know, stuff. Um, we drove around. We did some different things. We went to Disney World on Friday, Disneyland, I guess. Right. Um, and so, um, but they, they drove. I mean, because it was the four of them, plus they brought a friend of theirs that does videography and does all their music videos. Um, and then they brought two other friends that were going to help them with, like, merch and things like that. And so when all said and done, there were seven guys in this 12-passenger van. And yeah. so they left on Monday morning. And didn't get there. They drove straight through. They took shifts and slept in the van, drove straight through, um, yeah. and got there on Wednesday. Yeah. And then, um, you know, hung out, got an Airbnb, got some good sleep and everything, and then, and then you know, hit the ground running for their tour on Thursday. But, yeah, they played there on Thursday. Uh, the Whiskey, they played the Viper on, on Saturday. On Sunday, they played Tucson. Um, I think Monday... Monday and Tuesday, I think, were travel days. And today, tonight, actually, as we speak, they're playing a, a show in Dallas. They've got another show um, in New Orleans. they got another show in Tallahassee. And then they're bringing it home on Sunday uh, to nice. uh, Matthews Brewing in Lake Worth, man. Yeah, yeah. wicked. They yeah. get, get to go to New Orleans, too. That'll be fun. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that'll definitely be fun. And all the venues they've been playing at have been, I mean, th those two were the standout ones because they're, like, the legendary ones. Um, but all the venues they're playing at, um, you, know, we, you know, I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to help them book a bunch of the stuff and everything they're playing is like fun venues man cool yeah. venues you know with a lot of good local bands and stuff to to help draw so that's really cool yeah this is really good for them this, this is their first out-of-state tour too so yeah really yeah, i yeah. didn't know that i thought they'd been away before side note we went to disneyland on friday and we were standing in line for the uh, indiana jones ride and do you know who miranda cosgrove is yeah she was standing in line right behind me i was la man all right yeah. i turned around and i'm like i turned back around and looked at my daughter i'm like it's iCarly. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's like, Dad, Dad, please, please don't geek out. I'm like, I'm going to fangirl so hard right now. Oh She's God. like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> That's really funny. So we definitely missed you while you were away. But um, uh, <clears throat> James and I managed to limp through the shows. We played at, um, at the Grouper and then immediately afterwards drove to Melbourne for uh, Mega Mallys, which was – it was a – it was a trek, but... Um, that was a we, sound. That was a sound that night. So interesting. Well, it's... Of course, it was great. Of course. Of course it, of course it was, because I wasn't there. Well, here's... <laughs> no, but here's the reason. It's because we have been kept being lumped with their uh, stand-ins, just like by a mixture of chance and sure. the fact that their stand-ins are terrible for some reason. But the main guy, like that that kid that you've you yeah. met him one time, yeah. he's a good sound he, guy. Yeah, he was, he was good. Yeah. He was good. He really knows what he's doing. And he likes our music too, which is huge. Yeah. Like, you know, he's paying attention throughout the whole thing. So sound-wise, we, we had zero problems. And I was like, oh, man. And now I'm good. we're going to be saying that to Hector and yeah. you're not going to believe us. Right? Did you guys uh, did you guys end up bringing somebody down there or just you just the two of you played as a duo? Um, as the duo. Okay. And, um, I mean, it's a tiny little stage up there, so, you know, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. There was loads of people asking after you, though. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. You know how, like, we mm. have quite a lot of people who, who come to see us play there? Yeah, they were all there. They were all there with knobs on. There were so many Kilberley's shirts, man. I love it, man. It's like, it's, I, you know, it's like you and Hunter were talking about last week that, you know, when you play a place like that, even though you play it regularly, but it's not your, it's not your normal stomping ground. Like, you know, you're, we're there once a month, maybe, every four to five weeks but it's not local for us so right. you know so we're still kind of out of town it's two hours away so it's still yeah. kind of so you know when we when we do play there 
the people that like us, the locals that like us, come out to see us because yeah. it's the only chance they have to see us until the next month. And so, yeah, we've been building a nice little following there. People wearing our shirts and stuff. It's been fun. Yeah, man. And, that, you know, that's a, that's a big part <clears throat> of all of this. It's like, you know, just picking markets and not oversaturating it. It's very difficult to do because – you know, people offer you a gig and you just want to do it. But. Well, it's difficult to do and make a living, you know, yeah. you know, without having to drive two hours away every weekend, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, totally. I hear yeah. you, man. But, yeah, it's a, it, it's, it's a cool spot. Did struggle a little bit with Sam for a second there, but I, I think because I made a big fuss about it, <laughs> I, I think that our worries are over and yeah. over again. I did see the back and forth on, on Instagram, so I'm glad, I'm glad that they're actually paying attention to taking care of it so yeah they absolutely are they felt really bad yeah that's awesome and then um on sunday i played at uh, guanabanas guanabanas and i had a pretty good time with that as well um it was a bit of a cold day but um you know i got i got on with it i don't do that many solo gigs at the moment i don't know what's happened i just kind of haven't been booking the sunday i've been doing more studio stuff on sundays and just cannot really book in the booking as many sunday gigs so it was nice to dust off the looper and do all that yeah nice yeah it was cool all right so um how's it going guys we have uh, keith and ryan from algorithms speaking of sunday studio sessions yeah yeah exactly so can you um give us a little bit of uh an overview um on what algorithms is so Algorithms was a project actually born out in LMC here. Um, I was doing drum lessons with Ryan, and we just we had a lot of mutual artists that we enjoyed, one of which uh, Stanton Moore, a drummer, he plays in Galactic. And we thought, well, it'd be fun to do like a, like a good New Orleans funk-type project. Yeah. And um, I was playing in, uh, in Stoan, playing in a band called The Inflammators, and I was writing songs for them, so I was like, you know what, Ryan, we'll just we'll write some. Yeah. And that's what. Um, and then I was working with you, Ben. Yeah. Um, on the songwriting, and it, it just kind of came from that. Cal Supreme, it turned punk pretty. Big. Yeah, but it's yeah, <laughs> it, it's like it's it's a ska punk sound with a horn section. Yeah. Which, yeah, which I I've always wanted to do a musical project, a band with horns. Yeah, and man. This is it. No, absolutely. And um, the big exciting news is that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm also in the band, in case you don't know that. But um, the, uh, the, we've got a single coming out. Yes. At the end of the month. Yeah, January 31st, first single, Do What You Want, drops uh, live on all streaming platforms. Yeah, so I think we're going to play the song on this episode. We are. It's going to be the, the global debut. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. That's Inter- interplanetary quite... debut. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Extraterrestrial <laughs> debut. <laughs> the um, the good. What was I going to say? The um, good thing about bringing it up on here and then doing it uh, later is you get two cracks of the whip. I've, I've found recently that it's very difficult. You, you, we're definitely doing it the right way in the sense of releasing a song out at a time. Mm, yeah. But it's really hard to get much of a crack of a whip out, out of music these days. So you almost have to do it one song at a time. And then if you can have like a slightly staggered release so you get two of those too, then, you know, all the better. Really, you know? Yeah. And I think this came out of a discussion that you talked about with the most recent Killbillies album, Back to Basics. Yeah. Where it just it, it all came out at once. And you and I were discussing it. And you said, well, I wish we had you know, maybe done one song a month. You yeah. just kind of slowly roll it out. And then at the end, when they're all out, then you put the whole album out. So that's, yeah, you know, it's, it's all an experiment because I don't think anybody has really 
figured out how to work the algorithms, pun right. intended. <laughs> um, you know, and and to reach out to the the audiences. So. Yeah, that's the thing, though. I mean, like I see I see a lot of bands, uh, you know, Young Fiction that we were just talking about, um, as well as like uh, uh, the Shake and, and bands like that. They put out um, they put out single after single after single, yeah. or they put out an EP with two, three songs, four songs max. Yeah, um, you know, and then five, six, seven months later, they're putting out another EP. You know, three, yeah. four, five songs, and so there's there's constant constant content, if yeah. you will. Yeah. You know, there's always something. They're always releasing something. There's always something fresh, new. You know, oh here, you know, something exciting. Let's announce something. It's it's hard when you release an album and it has ten songs on it. Like theoretically. If you push one a month, you'd have ten months of content. Mm-hmm. But if you push, you know, if you if you release the album like we did with ten songs on it, now now you've released them. That's it. It's yeah. done. Right. And it's hard to kind of beat that dead horse over and over and over again. Like the album, it's it, the album becomes one entity as opposed to ten separate songs. Yeah, you know? people it's, are like, yeah, we know you released we, the album. Yeah, we, <laughs> we know, we know, you know. Yeah. But it's it's hard, you know. Even if you start diving in at that point and going, oh hey, have you heard Law Abiding Man or have you heard, you know, at they're like, yeah, it's part of that album that you released last year. You know, yeah. Like yeah. It, you know, it just it becomes. I, so I, I firmly believe that there used to be a time that releasing an album was a big deal. I think now releasing singles and and EPs are way way better. As yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it depends too because obviously Killbillies is a band that plays live multiple times a week, whereas Algorithms probably less so. Um, and so we have to find different ways to be in front of people all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, you guys, we have Danielle who does the social media for Killbillies, also does it for algorithms. You know, she's always out there filming live performances, getting content that way. Yep. Yeah. Whereas we won't really have that with the algorithms. So we have to find different ways to do it. And actually, I think it's important to uh, our weekly shout out to Danielle, who just is a star and like mm-hmm. has, everyone around this table is benefiting from Danielle's skills right yep, now. Yep, de- yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely sure. Yeah, she's yeah. doing some amazing content in the two weeks that, we, that we've had the algorithms going. So yeah, totally. And um, can you remember who came up with the name? How did that? Come you about? you came up with the name. It was in a um, a uh, so I guess you know five six one podcast. Long time listener, first time guest. Uh-huh. You had said it in one of, I don't remember which episode it was, but you had said something about the algorithms being a great name. And I was watching it at home. And I was like, you know what? That is a great name. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so we, so we looked it up, and there's like a French DJ using the name algorithm with, like, with the proper either. spelling. So we misspelled it intentionally. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I trademarked that episode, so you can't have oh, it. We're going to have a 10% kickback to, uh, to Hector yeah. for all future okay. recordings. Trademark the episode along and, with the words the and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've pretty much trademarked every episode. So, by the way, Ben, you owe me royalties <laughs> every time I speak. Every time you open your mouth, I actually, I actually own you. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Just you know, like, just look after me. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with you, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about your musical upbringing, Keith? Like, how did you find yourself um, getting into music and? Um, and when did you first learn an instrument? Yeah, I, I've done lessons throughout the years. I started with piano, and then I did, you know, guitar lessons and bass lessons and drum lessons um, with Ryan here most recently. But, like, the lessons never really stuck with me. You know, yeah. it, it's, uh, I, I've never been a huge fan of playing somebody else's music. You know, like yeah. usually when you go in with guitar lessons, and there's merit to it, right? But you sit down and you learn. You know, it just wasn't exciting 
for me to learn like a Ted Nugent song. Right. So, yeah. and, and I think this is one thing that that we've learned, you know, doing this is if we can find a way to do it where we're creating original music and using those concepts. Yeah. Then that's. I guess that maybe should be in the tip for musician section. Well, we can but, come back. Yeah, to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll come. That'll we'll come back to that. So, but yeah, so I did that through most of um, high school and college, just kind of messing around with myself, you know, with uh, you know, doing solo stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, any kind of bands we were in were very informal. It'd be like somebody had a birthday party, and we just a bunch of us would get together and right, yeah, basically improv the whole thing. Um, and then in terms of like the actual instrument, what was the, what, how, how did you, how did you end up learn? Did you have music lessons at school? Yeah, no, not really. Right. Um, I, I started on bass and then I kind of went to guitar, you know, cause I was, Dave Gilmore is uh, my favorite guitarist. And I, so I got like a, I a little Fender knockoff and you was trying to play Pink Floyd stuff. You know, Dave Gilmore, um, he was very influential in my playing. I remember my <clears throat> guitar teacher when I was young, basically saying, you know, ninety percent of the licks you'll ever need is just in the intro to to shine on you, crazy diamond. Oh yeah! Like if you can if you can learn those nice. licks, learn the Floyd reference. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so Ryan and I have this uh, running joke. We're going to do a flow chart one day of like, do you need to take a guitar solo? And it's, are you Dave Gilmore? No, no, you do not need to take a solo. <laughs> Yeah, man, he's a, he's amazing, and um, yeah. So that was really some of the first licks I ever learned, and also the I love the way he he'll do like two whole step bends and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. He's a beast. Yeah, man. Okay, so um, just kind of like a slow thing, like osmosis. Did did you ever um, did you ever do the YouTube university thing? Have you just no, in, not no. really. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I need in person learning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotcha. And you know, it, it really it was it was really interesting because I know one of the tenets that you know Justin talks about a lot at LMC is you know finding the right instrument for each kid. Yeah. Um, you know, and I had been on guitar for so long that when I came up here one day and you know with the Inflamators, Justin's like, "Yeah, they need a bassist." I was like, "I, I used to play bass," and as soon as I started playing again, it's the first time in probably like twenty years, it yeah. just felt so right. Oh, that's great. And so that's yeah yeah there's actually talking of the bass and people finding instruments um a, a, a girl that i teach um she, she you know she's a sweet girl and and super friendly and stuff but she just wasn't really motivated and um then i i was like well I, um justin suggested we try to ask her if she wanted to play bass because there was a, an opening in a band and she was all over it today. She was having yeah. so much fun with it. Sweet. And it's like, there you go, yet again, you know, like switching instruments, you know. Yeah. I only feel bad that we didn't get to that earlier. I don't, I don't know. Well, you have to try the other ones, though, to know that that's the right one. Yeah, you know? yeah. that's fair. Yeah, and also she is definitely, her fingers are stronger and she understands, you know, the nuts and bolts of holding a guitar and things. Yeah. So those lessons are basically the same whatever instrument you play, yeah. you know, Very guitar true. related anyway. Um, yeah, Ryan, where did you, uh, how did you first find yourself getting into music? <clears throat> um, music or drums? Uh, let's start, let's start with whichever is first. Whichever happened first. Yeah. So we were talking about the Beatles a little bit. Yeah. And that's kind of how everything started is, uh, my family was super into the Beatles. So, uh, we used to have those little speakers that went into every single room of the house and you had the knobs and you could turn it up. So I'd be in my room and they would be playing the Beatles from there and I'd have the volume control, you know, in my room. And that's kind of how it started was just Beatles all the time. Yeah. Great from place a to very, start. very young age. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then when did you start playing drums? 
So the story goes, I was about six years old, and uh, one of my brother's friends, and my brother, by the way, plays piano. So um, one of my brother's friends owed him some money, but he had a drum set, right. and he didn't have the money. Yeah. So I ended up getting this sweet, uh, like, Ringo-style Oyster Pearl, for all the drum nerds out there, Oyster Pearl kit that I got to start playing with when I was about six years old. And oh, wow. I just, you know, I think I just... Just kind of wowed you. Yeah, and I, I just played and played and played until the thing basically fell apart you yeah. know six years old huh? that's, <clears throat> that's like, awesome yeah yeah and then me and my brother started just jamming songs mm -hmm. you know together piano and drums yeah sick. mainly beatles same stuff. thing with my brother just, uh, yeah did you feel like when you first played it was it like this is what i was meant to do yeah yeah i was just falling in love with the tones and the sounds that were happening yeah and then my brother's friends would come over and play something that i couldn't play and then that's when I go, okay, I got to learn how to do that. Well, you know, in case you, uh, in case, you know, you're watching this and you don't know, or you're listening to it and you don't know, Ryan is one of the, one of, if not the best drummer I know in the area and outside yep. of that. Yeah. <laughs> very, so, very good drummer. Thank you so much. And, thank and you. the, and the, the, one of the big reasons why is preparation and just that kind of solid professionalism that you have. And I find that so, and outside of the fact that you're an incredible technical drummer, it's just the fact that you prepare for things and the fact that you treat things professionally is worth its weight in gold. I like, appreciate that, man. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. It's, as soon as Ryan said he wanted to be a part of this project, I'm like, whatever we have to do to make this happen – yeah. From a songwriting perspective, from a bass playing perspective, no. Any like, time I've ever done anything with Ryan, just to be on a on a project with Ryan. Yeah, oh, totally. Any time I've ever done a thing with you, you've always been the most prepared person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, know what you're doing with that kind of stuff. When it comes to preparing for, say, you know, if, if for the person who doesn't really know anything about this kind of thing, when it comes to pre preparing for a new band or preparing for a gig that you you're depping in or something like that, how do you go about that? Um, so at first it was just listening to the songs that I was going to have to play over and over again. And I would listen with headphones when I went to sleep. Right. Yeah. And I would just keep it on all night long and just continuously do it. And if I made a mistake, I was kind of like, dude, no, right, you yeah. know, get it right, get it right. Um, and also having really, really good teacher to start off with. Who's your teacher? Well, uh, so for people that are Box Elder fans, yeah. uh, Pat Boggs from Box Elder was oh, my cool. teacher. Awesome. And kind of, you know, whipped me into shape pretty early. And yeah. I got to go see all the Box Elder shows. And nice. So that's yeah. how that door opened then? Like, uh, <clears throat> that's how guys. that door, yeah, you got it, man. That's how okay. that door opened. Interesting. And then um, after years of playing drums, and I think I knew you, prior to this as well you went to nashville for a stretch didn't you? i did i was touring out of nashville for about four and a half years how did you like it oh a hit or miss sometimes yeah. it was amazing sometimes i just wanted to be home yeah so. sure and then the um the experience of being in nashville do you think that that um it is a big part to play in how you now approach your your business of drumming a hundred percent yeah yeah, so the hustle, for one, um, charting songs and preparing for the gig. 
yeah. was a big one like you kind of mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah, that kind of helped me. You know, I would do that stuff before, but then when I got there, you know, it, it, people were doing it much better than I. Yeah. So I kind of had to, like, jump in and compete. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, it's funny because playing music down here is debatably more fun because it's like less of a rat race yeah, but yeah, yeah. but like you know in it in, in nashville the good thing about it is that because you're all kind of competing like that it you know drives you to excel yeah. you know which is you know it's very important and um i've been in situations like if you're in you know london or new york or like nashville or la or something like that the, you know the quality of the musicians and the amount of the musicians is, yeah. is insane yeah, you know <laughs> that's definitely true yeah and down here there are less but there's not there's still a lot of musicians down here oh there? yeah yeah maybe not as much as in those places though but uh i don't know i like a, i like a scene i wouldn't trade it for the world yeah, yeah it's happening here just as much as it's happening anywhere yeah. yeah, yeah. As long as you know where to look. Yeah. Totally. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of bands would you say the algorithms sound like? Uh, well, the inspiration is probably the Interrupters um, and Rancid. So that kind of Tim Armstrong sound. Yeah. Um, you know the Op Ivy Rancid type yeah. thing. I, I think that's probably the clearest influence. Yeah. But I mean, I think you know a lot of the horn lines you contributed are more idiosyncratic they kind of i describe it as a kind of slither through the songs sure as yeah. opposed to the normal ska which is just like bah, 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 bah. yeah so it it's got almost I'm like a, a big fan of the harmonic minus yeah there. exactly yeah <laughs> it's, it's got more of a um um i don't know if you would say jazzy feel or you know but it's just yeah. it, it's kind of a step above it has i think almost a normal my lines like to have that kind of like it, Whenever you hear that kind of reggae that's like the kind of real like Ethiopian kind of like, yeah. you know, that kind of vibe, um, that the stuff that's kind of creepy and a, a little bit um, haunting and menacing, that's always yeah. been my favorite uh, yeah, reggae. Menacing. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think when, you know, it, it's really interesting too the dynamics of the songwriting because obviously we've written several songs together now and I think I bring more of like a pop sensibility and you bring more of like that menace haunting um, oh, thing and it works really well together. Must be something wrong with my soul. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just you're, you're just not as mainstream as me. <laughs> so Ben's a true artiste. <laughs> we've um yeah we've been doing a lot of uh, recording here and um we've been tracking some stuff um, at mine as well and mm -hmm. at the and then odds and ends over at, um Ryan's as well just to kind of build it all up Ryan you were recording some drum parts at your place and actually that's something I want to talk to you about in terms of studio your studio situation sure. is you do a lot of remote sessions don't you yes I do yeah and how how would you go about that like how does that work for you um you know an artist hits me up and says uh, they they need a song done or they need drums on a song and you know I'll demo it out um at home you know sometimes we find the perfect sounds at home sometimes we don't we have to go into a studio and do it that way yeah but it's really really nice to have that situation um and i, I feel like a lot of people do have that situation these days where they have some sort of home recording situation yeah. these yeah. days and i it it couldn't help more you know because before let's say you go into a studio to record something you kind of have pre-production right there and you can yeah. know instead of making the decisions 
right there on the session, you kind of can make the decisions at home and say, and listening to it in your car and say, hey, you can sit with it for a little bit before you actually yeah. do it. And that way you can kind of make the best musical decisions when you're on the session. Yeah, you know what? I, th I agree with that. I think, I think there's something fun about being in a studio and having to come up with things on the spot. Yeah. But is it necessarily the best for the song? Probably not, you know, yeah. better yeah. to have a bit of time. Yeah, too I mean, much pressure, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the the artists that hit you up for remote work is that from Nashville relationships, or is that? Uh, it's definitely from there, um, from Nashville, from here too. So between here, South Florida, and Nashville, um, yeah. And that, that, I mean, the both. reason why I ask is, you know, a lot of people, you know, historically the the model for success in the music would be like going to Nashville, right, or going to yeah. L.A. or going to New York. And doing it, but now with the home recording, I mean, all the algorithm stuff we've pretty much done just using Logic. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I just, it's a different world out there. Absolutely. So. Yeah. No, it really is. With with Logic, um, a, you know, a couple of SM7Bs and like, and just you know, spend a little bit of money on some some. You don't even need to spend the money on like better plugins and stuff. The Logic ones are just fine. I mean, mm -hmm. you can obviously take it over the edge with you know, which I. I'm just a sucker for buying that stuff. I can't stop myself. I mean, I think, you know, we, we talk about the local scene, right, and how great the local scene here. And, you know, for the kids watching at home, the kids that come to LMC and everything, just knowing, you know, you don't have to go to a big city. You can just, huh? with a little bit of time, you know, just, just record it, you know, give it a try yeah. and, and see how it comes out. I know. It's funny, you know, because the, when all of this was – kind of taking place and this sort of bedroom studio revolution and the internet music revolution was ha happening I had lots of high hopes um, and especially when it was first starting like I had no money so um, so this kind of democratization of everything was very appealing to me I think now I'm older you know you do see the uh, the holes in the system and that yeah. you know it's basically there's no quality control anymore just right <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The thing that makes it easy to record makes it easy for everyone to record. So right. yeah. it's just a flood of music. Yeah. Well, we were talking about that a, a few episodes ago about how <clears throat> you know there was a time where there was a time where recording and releasing albums and all that stuff you know wasn't accessible and it was yeah. very controlled by by the music industry and by the yep. record companies and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and then it. It it kind of and, and it's actually kind of flip flopped back and forth. I mean, you know, first first there was the the uh, you know I guess if you want to call it you know the, the Elvis Elver era and stuff where you know if, if you can come up with two dollars or whatever it was back then you can walk into a Sun Studios and record a you know and a single for your mom and get discovered like Elvis did you know um, and then uh, but then it became very controlled by all the record companies and by all the managers and all the management companies and all the music companies and everything and then. Now there's this whole, you know, revolution that happened at some point with the internet and everything, and it's made it very accessible. And, you know, every, any, anybody and their mother with very little money can have access to home recording stuff, can put music out using um, DistroKid or CD Baby or anything, and it really costs just about nothing to do it. Right. But, you know, the flip side of it is, you know, on one hand, it's very accessible and anyone can do it. The downside is... It's very accessible, and anyone can do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the, the gatekeepers are no longer the record label. Well, it's just, the people that run the playlist. The, yeah, the, yeah it's, it's easier. It's easier to get into the market because the market is open to anyone that yeah. has access to a computer and a, and a very minute amount of equipment. 
but it's also it's also created the situation that the market is completely flooded and every genre and every corner of every piece of music has five billion more artists than it used to have. Yeah. Yeah. Not that they're all good in quality, but it has five billion more people that you have to sift through to find the good stuff. Yeah. So, so every rating is yeah. like almost – I don't even know how – like sort of trying to be someone who listens to everything, everything and yeah, figure yeah. out the best <clears throat> thing is like – I mean, that's virtually impossible now. You can't yeah. listen to it all so, coming out. So every so week, I, every week I go on all music and look at whatever's being released that week because they'll like. I mean, it's not a comprehensive list, but I mean, you are literally a thousand albums coming yeah. out every single week, and you know, probably more than that. Even yeah, and you, I try to go through and pick out. So you start just coming up with completely arbitrary standards for. Oh, I don't like the way they spelled that, so I'm not listening to that. Album. <laughs> yeah. And that's also, just, yeah, that's also the that's all the album the, the albums that were like announced came. Yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like Spotify just recently did something. And you, you and I were having the conversation. I guess uh, Spotify changed the way they're they're monetizing things. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, you know, my first reaction was like, oh, well, that's just going to screw all the little guys. But, but after talking to Ben a little bit about it, and we started going back and forth about it, you know, it it really came came to light though that you know the 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 people actually getting the most streams, you know, the the. I don't want to say real artist because that's that's a terrible term to sure. use. More but popular, the more popular artist, if you will, is like you know, like I think it was something crazy. Like it was like ninety percent of Spotify revenue is coming from one percent of yeah. the artists that are posting on you know their music yeah. on Spotify, and that's crazy. Yeah, no, it's true. And um, their idea now is to uh, if you don't get less than ten thousand streams in a year, then you then it's demonetized. Yeah, you don't get um, any money. But uh, the the idea is that then they're going to put that money into redistribute the, it. Right. The question is whether they actually do right. That. The idea is that they're going to redistribute that to the artists that really are streaming. You know, a hundred thousand or one million or whatever it is that they're streaming. But like Ben says, you know, the accountability isn't necessarily yeah. there to to say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you are redistributing that. Yeah, <laughs> You're not totally. just screwing the little guy. And <laughs> actually, getting ten thousand listens. <clears throat> That's not that many. It, it's not. It's you know? not in the scheme of things. It's not. Not in today's day and age. I mean, yeah. like the, again, everything is so accessible that because it's so accessible, you can get it out there on all the social media platforms. You can share it a billion times. You can advertise it. You can do. You know, there's a million ways to get it out there. Yeah. So ten thousand streams in a world that has a billion people in it, or three billion people, whatever it is, in it, eh, it's, it's probably if, not. If that you advertise hard. it, you'll get that. Yeah. If you advertise it at all, you'll get that many yeah. at least. Yeah. You know, it's like I feel like the the problem is you got to throw money at it, and then yeah, and then it's like you know because with this latest single that I brought out, the "Boom Beat Your Heart" thing, I'm getting a lot of views. But it's because I'm advertising it. Yeah. You know, if yeah. I wasn't, I wouldn't be getting that many. I'm not doing that thing where you just in you know, like a playlist mill, you know, and it just yeah. creates yeah. things. But I am advertising the heck out of it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. putting, making YouTube ads, making Facebook and Instagram ads, and that's why people are watching it. But you know, by the same token, if you believe in a project, and why wouldn't you advertise it? Sure. It's like why would why should music just be expected to just gr- bring you money if you just right. throw it up there and yeah. tell anyone? You know? Well, yeah. and that, that's really what it comes down to too. It's not about putting the music out there because it's going to make you a million dollars. I mean, if it does, 
fantastic. Good for you. Yeah. You know, it's about putting it out there because you believe in the project and you believe in the music you're making and you, right. and you, you know, and you want to share it with people. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I love that's that. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Algorithms is very much a, uh, a labor of love. I don't think you can make any money. <laughs> trying to do a tour with the horn section. <laughs> <laughs> no, the um, the good thing about uh, ska bands is um, is that uh, you'll never play to an empty gig, which is what. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then the if back- every member of the band brings at least one friend, you have a full house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the bad thing is that yeah, there's a, just in terms of splitting the pile, it there's thirty two guess- band members. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so far, it's um, it's just us three, and then you know, I suppose we're gonna have to figure out the, what we do with the if we're gonna when we play a show. Um, I've got some big plans with that. You know, I've been thinking a lot about putting on some scar shows, and there's there, there is some there is some um, you know some local ska talent these days, right? Oh, yeah, yeah there is. absolutely. And I've you know I've, I've been really thinking about once everyone's ready, you know, like towards the end of this year or something like that, you know, putting some ska shows on. Yeah, you know? I think it'd be sweet. a great idea. Yeah, super sweet. Uh, obviously a biased opinion, but yeah, <laughs> I think we should totally do it. Yeah, rather than kind of, you know, I've just been putting on general shows lately. You know, mm-hmm. I might get a little bit more specific with it. So right, right now the band is the three of you guys. Yeah, yeah. and then. Um, so you're talking about live shows and stuff. So for the live shows, eventually you're going to have to add on what yeah. what like we're, we're gonna a have horn to have section, a, a couple of horns, yeah, okay, yeah, at least two horn players, okay, yeah. you know, possibly that, a, we a could, second guitarist. We could get away with just that. We could get away with two horn players and not be that. Okay, but then a second guitar wouldn't hurt, would it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's not necessary, but it, you know, it might be nice. I'm in kazoo. I'm uh, in. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. <laughs> we're gonna give you a tuba. <laughs> Hector can play the uh, can play the, the saxophone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we yeah. It's been a, it's been a while, but uh, but I played alto and I played baritone for a while. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Get you up to speed. But uh, you know, you were talking about the you were playing different instruments and then you made it back to bass and you went, mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah, this yeah. is that kind of happened to me. I played I played saxophone for a number of years. I played bass. Um, I played a little bit of piano. I played a little bit of guitar. Um, I kind of just left music altogether for a little bit. Um, uh, bumped into a friend of mine in a Home Depot parking lot or something. He was putting a band together. Said, "Hey, I need a bass player. You know, you still play?" And I said, eh, "I mean, I, you know, it's been a while or whatever." But I picked up the bass at that point, and like I just haven't looked back. Like I, yeah, pick, yeah. I picked it up, yeah. and I went, "Oh, oh, wait, I really do like this." Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's good too that you play the other instruments because you can, you know, like when I do the songwriting and I'll bring songs to band. Like I'm not near as good a guitarist as he is, but I know enough that I can. You'll get the right. idea down. Right, yeah. and that's what yeah. I do to Ben as well. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll yeah. bring you know for Killbilly stuff. I'll, I'll bring something to him, and I'll, and it'll be you know it'll be chords and things like that. And then yeah. I'll be like, all right, you get the idea of what I want to do yeah. now. I'll make it better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you could guarantee there's not going to be any B minors in it, or Fs. I yeah. cannot stand barcodes. Yeah, exactly. There will be no barcodes in anything I write. Yeah. I hate, bar, I hate bar, bar, bar chords. I hate you, man. That's funny. Um, all right, so I think now would be a good time to listen to the tune, right? All Let's right, do it. here we go. Global interplanetary debut. Check it out. Uh, I'll do what you want. Whoop, whoop. There's no time 
We have a rather special sponsorship this week. My friend Stu, who I know from Round and About in Jupiter, has an Instagram page, which is at Stu Says. So at S-T-E-W-S-A-Y-S. And it is really just for dog lovers. Stu loves dogs and he has an Instagram page which is just dedicated to the dogs that he meets on his travels. So you should go check it out. There's some really nice pictures of dogs on there and become part of Stu's dog-loving community. I couldn't think of a more wholesome thing for us to be advertising, really. He is a supporter and a friend of the show and he wanted to help us get our message out there and we could give him this in return. It's um, just us letting you guys know that you can go and see beautiful pictures of dogs on Instagram at Stu Says. I've just been surfing through all the pictures and there's some really cute pictures of dogs on there. I'm going to show some up on the screen now. <laughs> yeah, man, go check it out. Stu is a legend. He's one of the nicest people I know and his Instagram is just a delight. He couldn't have picked a better podcast, really. My band is called Nina's Yard Party, which is named after my dog. And if you listen really carefully, you could probably hear my dog barking in the background. I'm a big dog lover. One more time, it's www.instagram.com forward slash stew says s-t-e-w-s-a-y-s it's the end of the year and it's time to get those taxes done we all hate doing it but it's just something that needs to get done you can call mary at harmony management group and she'll make it as painless as possible for you for the past several years mary has become the go-to accountant for the scenes musicians and artists and really any small business need help give her a call today at 561 420-5652 or visit harmonymanagementgroup.com Now, I can personally say that Mary is an absolutely wonderful accountant and she understands firsthand the world of artists and musicians. She's been a huge help to Kilbillies and we are so proud to have her as a sponsor because she really cares about the local music scene and the local art scene. If you need help with the paperwork side of any small business, Mary has got your back. Again, the way to get in touch with her is 561-420-5652 or you can visit harmonymanagementgroup.com. We are also sponsored by Oasis Root. Now, Oasis Root Carver Bar is in Seagrape Square on Indian Town Road and it is a carver bar. If you don't know anything about carver, it's a Polynesian root that you grind up and you mix with water and it has been in Polynesia for potentially thousands of years it's a it's an old thing that um they're used for kind of ceremonial and also um sort of ledger purposes it, it's meant to be something where you know that brings people together um you will take a, a shell of carver and chink them together and say bula and have it together like that it's meant to be something to bring people together it's uh has a kind of an effect which is i guess a kind of a slightly warming effect and uh, it just kind of makes you feel a, a, a nice it's not particularly intoxicating it's not like drinking alcohol so the atmosphere in a carver bar is sort of like um a cross between a regular bar and uh, a coffee house it's pretty chill in there um you get all sorts of different types of carver bars some of them are more like a club you know this sort of like black light and edm playing and some of them are more like a cafe this is one of the cafe type of ones it's 
it's super chill in there. If you're looking for somewhere to, I don't know, maybe go and do some work on your laptop or go and have a chat with friends, it's perfect for that kind of thing. There's a foosball table in there if that's your jam, or baby foot as they call it in France. And uh, yeah, Jim, the owner, is a really cool guy, and he has very kindly sponsored our podcast. So thank you very, very much for that, Jim. They also do a poker night in there, all sorts of things going on at Oasis Root Carver Bar. 561 Music is sponsored by Live Music Community. It's where we film the podcast that you're listening to right now, and it's also where I work. Gavin, Hector's son, was a student here for a long time, and in many ways he's the musician he is today because of the teachers at Live Music Community. We taught him not only about his instrument, but also about being in a band, and his band, Unemployed Youth, accomplished a lot of goals, mostly band etiquette, how to work together, and all of the nitty-gritty that goes into being in a band on a day-to-day basis. The student signs up for lessons, learns their instrument, joins a real band, and decides the direction it goes in. And we can take people from very young age, you know, six or seven years old, all the way up to 80. You know, there's no age limit here. Um, We've run an adult program for people who want to be in a band as adults. But really, the main focus is on the on the kids and getting them playing together and in bands. Um, We are also a studio, a live stream venue, and we can record audio or video. The Killbillies live album, Warts and All, was recorded here. It was recorded during a live stream that we did during COVID. Justin had a great idea to record live streams during COVID. A ton of bands came in and it was a real success. Um, But outside of that, we can record albums. We can help you with your EPK and we have full audio visual capabilities here. LMC is in Palm Beach Gardens on the northwest corner of Military Trail and North Lake Boulevard. It's north of the gas station right before you get to North Lake on Military Trail. And if you go to livemusiccommunity.com, you have all the information you'll need right there. All right, we've just listened to an ad for Live Music Community, which is where we are sat right now and which all four of us are beneficiaries of in some regard. Um, So why don't we talk a a little bit about um, advice you may have for upcoming musicians. Let's, uh, Let's start with you, Keith. Okay. So we kind of mentioned earlier on the podcast, but finding a way to learn musical concepts that works for you. You know, as mentioned, I, I wasn't any good at learning other people's stuff. But, you know, we, we'll have a thing where, you know, you'll come to me and say, hey, why don't you work on this particular scale? Remember I'll, I did the Lydian one? Yeah, yeah, the Lydian one, yeah. And, we, you know, so I would go home and write a song using that scale. Yeah. And so that, that to me was a way that I could learn in a manner that was consistent with how I want to learn. Yeah. And that was... So I, I think the other one is, and you know, fortunately in the algorithms, this is also exactly what's happening: is play with as good of musicians as you can, because sure. it just it it elevates your game. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. You know, 100%. so that's some grand advice. All right, Ryan, have you got any pearls of wisdom for the people out there? Yeah, I'd like to share a couple things if yeah. I could. Um, so one is uh, we're talking about musicians coming up, right? Um, if they could go to their local teacher to take lessons rather than YouTube, if they can't afford it, I completely understand. Um, but one thing is YouTube won't hold you accountable, um, Mm -hmm. and, and say, Oh, did you finish that lesson that you learned? You know, YouTube's not going to come after you. (laughs) YouTube's not going to see you're not going to someone and saying, Oh, Hey, you should practice or doing something the right way. It's, that interaction, like he was saying, he kind of, yeah. 
you know, he has to be one-on-one with someone. And, yeah. But if you can't afford it, like I said, I understand. And, uh, you know, try to hold yourself accountable to those YouTube lessons that you're watching. Yeah. Um, the next thing I would say is if you can get used to playing to a click track, you know, to, to even your playing out, and because of what happens in today's world with music and and all the clicks that happen in the studio, when you get in there, you're going to want to be somewhat comfortable yeah. with yeah. using a click track. Um, and if you're in South Florida, I have a couple ones here too, which is get the fan and <laughs> the cart, before, you know, because <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to need it and, and it gets hot. So... Um, that was one of the ones that I wanted to talk about too. Yeah, man. Um, and uh, like he was saying, um, I agree with that a hundred percent. You know, try to surround yourself with um, people that are better than you if you can. Mm-hmm. And then if you're kind of the worst one in the room, it forces you to step your game up. Yeah. You know. No, totally. Um, it's absolutely true. I think. Um, you know, just in, talk, in terms of surrounding yourself with musicians, too. One of the things I like about being here, and you know, having worked in musical environments like this, is that I do get to rub shoulders with fantastic musicians. Like, for example, you, Ryan. You know, it's like Thanks. it means it, it's really uh, that. That's the the one of the big reasons why I would never. I I mean, I, I do occasionally do it, but why well, I don't really want to just be like a sole teacher going to people's houses, you know, just the yeah. whole community. I mean, this place is called live music community and it can be, it, you know, it's a very literal name, but it's, but it's the truth. It's a community. And I love the, that fact, you know, it's a community, not just of people, but of like, not just of students, but of teachers, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and of musicians. So, you know, that's been a, a great thing for me. I've loved that. Um, yeah. All right. So why don't we have, um, a little bit of a think about, uh, what the lyrics to do what you want are about uh it, it's actually it, this one's actually a pretty literal song some of our songs are more story songs you know maybe a little bit of metaphor or some other fancy literary terms but this one is pretty sh- straight ahead just about do what you want yeah um you know it, it's um it's kind of that punk ethos yeah right yeah. or ethos however you pronounce it you know of being true to yourself and you know it, you know, it's kind of like it may not it's the road less traveled yeah. you know it may not be the most comfortable journey but you do have the ability to do what you want at all times no comfort for the brave Vince's <laughs> <laughs> favorite line of the song yeah <laughs> i love that line it's such a fun one to yell yeah and you know and this is something i think that came kind of from your life experience as well right of of not following the mainstream nine to five job yeah. and, and finding a way to make it work and you know, in being a successful musician. Definitely. I think that there is, there's a danger when you are a musician and you're writing music to write about being a musician, writing music and it starts getting very hat on a hat kind of circular. But, um, on this album, this is really one of like maybe two songs where we talk about that stuff. It's not the the album isn't like a treatise about like musicians, you know, it really isn't. This one's kind of about it, but you know, in general, they're not, you know, they're not at all. And, and something that I've really enjoyed working with you in in terms of um, the songwriting process is 
all of the stuff like the the story songs that we've been writing mm-hmm. and because yeah. it's been a while you know and and actually when i do those kind of story songs on my own i usually don't end up particularly like enjoying the result like but i just found the uh we're both we, we both have the ability to be honest with each other without pissing each other off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it helps. You and I have very similar frame of references. Yeah, you know, yeah. In terms of bands we grew up listening to and, and music that we like, that that definitely helps. Yeah, totally. Kilbilly's, um, you know, does a lot of kind of group think lyrics too, and it and and I and I think that. It can really, it, it's, I, I love writing like that. Not all mm-hmm. the time. If there was something really super personal to me and I just wanted to make it like a little special thing, you know, like I, I but, but it, on the whole, you know, in the, in the, in the, just the kind of the grand scheme of getting music written, it generally is quicker easier and better to do it with yeah. other people yeah, yeah. more I mean, fun yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah i mean it's you know with the algorithms usually the way the the process starts is i'll come up you you described it good as describing it as like a sketch so like maybe a chord progression you know some basic lyrics and basic melodies and, and yeah. then we just kind of start throwing ideas around and yeah at, at, and you're right it, it comes out much better than if either of had just sat down and done it on our own yeah totally and um actually the sketch is is a really important part of it too because I find sometimes the hardest thing to do with a song is to start. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if you've got some, you've got a bit of a framework there, I really thrive when I've been given like, well, this is, here's the edges, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, what should we do with it? In that situation, yeah. I just turn on immediately and I can, I, I've, all of a sudden I'm very creative. But sometimes if, um, you know, I can get a bit of kid in a candy store if you know if there's no if if there's nothing already down. It's like well, uh, it's overwhelming. You yeah, know? when you yeah. sit down and you you go, okay, I'm going to start writing a song, and like literally, you could write about anything, and you could start with any note, and you can, and you're like, but where? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And Keith is Keith is good at, at, at doing these sketches. It always come with just a kind of a vague idea, and I'd say. You know, 50% of the time it ends up being quite close to what it was. 50% of the time it ends up a totally different song. But, yeah. But the, it's, gone, it's gone both ways. Yeah. yeah. But, it, you know, but there's there's a, a lot of the songs on there that are pretty close to how you imagined them, you know? I think so, yeah. Yeah. They're just better <laughs> because of Ben's, of ben and Ryan's input. Um, yeah, but I mean, I never really wrote story songs either until this project. Yeah. You know, growing up, all the songs, I mean, I've always written a lot of songs, but they were mostly just about me. Yeah, you know, sure. And, and how I was feeling or what I was mad about on a particular day. And so this concept of doing a story songs is, is new to me too. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, I think I wanted to do it from that. She got arrested. It was the most recent yeah. story song that I yeah. really like. Yeah. 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 It's such a tune. And, um, you know, it, it, I'm just a bit jealous. I didn't write it. So, <laughs> so we had a crack. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, yeah. Let's take a look at, uh, t- some of our gear. We don't, we're, like sometimes people don't come in with gear and I always think it's a bit of a shame so seeing as it was a band that I'm involved in by god you're going to look at my gear (laughs) (laughs) so um, right here I have my my various amp simulators at some point I'm going to get like a Kemper or something like that but for now um, I have this universal audio line which is basically a uh, a Plexi Marshall Plexi Um, and and it has a few different modes. It has like the brown sound mode and stuff like that. So you can make it sound like Van Halen. But you can also make it just sound like a wheezy old punk amp. It sounds great. 
Um, and then that Strymon Iridium there, that is, uh, that's another amp sim. It's, uh, and it also does have a Marshall mode on it, but the Universal Audio one's Marshall blows it out of the water. But it has, the, the Strymon Iridium has a really nice, um, like, Fender Twin sound. So that, the clean on that is really nice. They're all, like, pretty good on it. You know, the Marshall's not, you know, bad or anything. It's just that this new one I got, this, this um, UAD Lion is just, and that's really good. It's really good. And the UAD line comes with a uh, with an app as well. And um, and so you can kind of remotely be working on sounds and figuring them out. And I think that that side of their, um, that, like that side of the business with, with Universal Audio, they're going to be developing more and more. The fact that you can actually get inside these boxes and change them from the outside, to me, it adds value to them for sure because otherwise they're just what they are and that's it, you know. And then um, the thing at the bottom there um, is a two notes revolt, which is a uh, it's a bass amp um, simulator, but it does have it's less of a simulator and more of just like an amp. It has a tube yeah. in it, you know. It's just a little amp, little pre- like preamp amp type situation. But that's the one I steal anytime Ben turns his back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've, I use these a lot for recording um, at the moment. Um, and what I've found is that a lot of the a lot of the tracks that I've done with them, um, you know, that ends up being the final. You know, I quite often don't do something better afterwards. You know, if I'm micing up fancy amps and stuff, I'd say three quarters of the time, whatever I recorded first with those is it ends up being it. The, um, you know, there, there's a couple of notable exceptions. Like last week, we were doing some stuff with my Fender Twin just because we really wanted to get that sound. But, yeah. but. Um, you know, in uh, in general, they, these things are really starting to hold up. They didn't used to, but they do now. But I think this is, you know, we were talking about earlier about how now anybody can record because we have this democratization of recording equipment. I think the amps are the next thing because yeah. some of these pedals now are just as good as vintage Fender Twin amps. Yeah, exactly. And you can just, you can plug them into a monitor or something and you're good to go. You don't have to be carting around all this heavy stuff. I mean, I, in Butch and the Fat Dubes, which is a a, um, a project I I play in, um, I'm still using my amp, but it's partly to, it's partly because you know that's the way that James wants it, which is which it's more is, visual, I think, yeah, than anything it else. Is, for that yeah, band. It's, it's an aesthetic thing now. Yeah, yeah, you can't be in a punk band and not have a stack behind yeah. you. Yeah, I know, <laughs> it just yeah. looks weird. You know? no, I do kind of agree with you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start like trying to use this. In I've never played a show with one of these yet. Done a lot of recording with them. I've never played a show with them, but I got the uh, the Head Rush. Um, like it's basically a, a monitor, you know. I got that so that I've got something I can play it through. And at some point, I'm gonna break the seal and do a gig with one of these. A lot of people do, you know. A lot of people yeah. do, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. I, there's something in the back of my head that thinks that right at the last minute, I'm like, yeah, but I have a Marshall in my house. Why don't I just yeah. use the real it's thing? It's funny, though. The people that use the uh, the amp simulators like this, like, they either love them or they hate them. I find like there's nobody in between. You get there's some a, like rabidly pro-amp sim people. Right, and then some rabidly anti-amp yeah. sim people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I don't find a whole lot of people in the middle. No, <laughs> totally. Yes, one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, actually, if you know how to use them really, really well, um, you can get amazing tones out of them, you know. Now, here's the thing. Like, realistically speaking, you know, does the amp sim sound 100% like, you know, note for note, tone for tone, exactly like its amp, you know, analog counterpart? Probably not. Yeah. But 
to you as a musician, when you're using the two of them, you know the difference. The average person out there listening to you play the music is never going to know the difference. Yeah. And I am dying to do a blind um, test. And Hunter, we were talking about. We it have Hunter. to do it with Hunter because he's yeah. diehard analog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I've been really looking forward to doing like a. Uh, we just record something completely flat. You know, one is like, and a few different situations, like you know, microphone this far away, and then do that setting on the. On, on on the sim as well and see see if we can get him to figure out the differences. Yeah, I bet yeah. you he is gonna I bet you he's gonna be a bit embarrassed. <laughs> I bet you he'll be surprised. Yeah. Be surprised. yeah. <laughs> and I think most people are. I get again, are there people in this world that could pick it out? Absolutely. I think yeah. there's definitely people that have that ear and they can pick it out. But I think that that's just a handful of people on this earth. Most people, they couldn't tell you the difference between a, a sim and, a, and an analog. They no. could they couldn't. Yeah. It's, it's true, man. I mean, there's certain, you know what it is? There's certain sounds that these amp simulators can make that don't sound that real. So you, you can spot it in just every, right. ever so slightly in certain things. But, um, but you know, when, when you're using them properly and stuff like that, they sound, they sound fab. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the next picture, as, as far as I can, am aware, is my guitar. Now, I just wanted to put my guitar on because I don't think it's ever been on this show. And, um, and seeing oh. as I'm in this band, I, uh, I figured it was a good opportunity for me to, uh, <laughs> to show everyone my I Jackson. Thought you, yeah. thought your guitar felt left out or something? Yeah. <laughs> even, even though this is not the guitar he actually uses in the band. We're, we're going to put it in front of you anyway. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it actually has to be the guitar I used in the band now because my other one was stolen. Oh, so it is now the guitar what? I use in the band. Um, so um, yeah, so this anyway is a, is a it's a Jackson. It's relatively kind of run in the mill, not that expensive Jackson. But I replaced loads of the parts, replaced the pickups for some passive actually EMGs, and um, and then I just put a bunch of gold hardware on it and made everything nice. And um, the Jackson necks are really just lovely. I mean, I you know I can play a million miles an hour on it, so so I love it. And that's that's about that for the guitar. And um, I got up a, a drum there for you um, to talk about. When you let everyone know about this drum, right? Ooh, this is the Ludwig Black Beauty, and uh, one of the most recorded drums in all of history. Yeah. Um, you can tune it up, tune it down. It sounds great pretty much wherever. Um, I've done every recording with a real kit with this snare <laughs> for the past, I want to say, six to eight years. Really? Wow. Yeah. And what, what would you say it is about it that makes it so versatile and so beloved? Um, the brass shell, for one, and I believe it's a seamless shell, so there's there's no you know connection piece it's solid so right um if you can get your hands on anything that's seamless it's gonna be a good thing yeah um so yeah this this drum has served me well for years and years and most of the engineers you know when i bring i bring multiple snares to usually a session and when i pull that one up they go oh that's the one yeah. You know, totally. so that happened to me enough times where I'm like, this is going to be with me at pretty much every session just in case. So Yeah, and it's the, it's the snare that we um, used on uh, on the algorithms. For it, it is. Yeah. It so, is. so you record with it, but how do you, like, do you use it for, for live performance as well? Or Yes or no. Um, sometimes uh, I do, but I guess what I was going to say is that f 
these Ludwig snares are really, really amazing. And there's some cheaper versions of kind of similar, like the Acrolyte that I use. So right. when I'm on a session and, I, and that's going to be forever for a recording, this is the sound I want. But for live, you can get away with a little bit more, if you know what I mean. So It depends where you're playing, but you can get away with a lot more. So I usually use, you know, like an Acrolyte, which is this snare drum goes for about 750. Yeah. And the Acrolytes you can pick up for about 200 and they, they are similar. You know, I think that you that live and not live instruments, um, like instruments you use for a show and instruments you use for a recording. There's That's there's no amazing. reason why why they would should be the same. I I have a, a Fender Acoustasonic, and I use it on the last album, and I don't mind the way it sounds on it. But I l- I love the way it sounds live. It sounds perfect live. Like I couldn't ask for a better guitar live you know it doesn't have any weird feedback problems or anything sounds like an acoustic guitar acoustic guitars are quite you know they can be tricky to get right in the mix and they're always really feedbacky this thing has none of that and it doesn't sound super fake um it it doesn't sound fake at all sounds like an acoustic guitar i mean until i start putting overdrive pedals on it then it just sounds like an electric guitar (laughs) but um the uh you know that thing's amazing but then you know what would I record the next album with it? No, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> just because it, like, if you've got the time to to do it, you know, yeah, why not use the better thing? I, mean, you know, I think I'm going to yeah. use like a, you know, a, a proper nice Martin, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so yeah, let's have a let's have a little bit of a chat about your bass, shall we? Okay, so uh, I play a Rittenhouse bass. Yeah, um, I picked it up at Wolf Guitar, friend it's of the podcast, Jay Wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it, 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 they're all custom that he does. He he does a lot of relic stuff, which I can kind of take or leave. But it's kind of that classic P bass sound and feel. And yeah. just you know, as soon as I picked it up and played it the first time, I was just like, oh, this is I, I this is coming home with me. Yeah. So yeah, I get it. I've played it, and it and it's for that kind of bass. It does exactly what you want it to. Yeah, do. and it's you know, in, in your test, I mean, generally we just plug it straight into the amp. I mean, yeah. you know, we don't. You don't have to faff about with a bunch of different pedals and whatnot to get a good sound. It just sounds good on its own. Yeah, and quite a few times I've just plugged it straight into the computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, and is when, this? Is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying when I demo stuff at home, I, I do the exact same thing. Just plug it straight in. Yeah. Now, is, it, is this uh, when you say it's custom? Um, and you're saying you know that, uh, that you got a Wolf guitar. Is is this something that he? customizes or is this something that comes from it's the, yeah so the manufacturer yeah so so my understanding of the way that the uh rittenhouse is he's a person he's a luthier right and, and he builds these like one-off guitars and you know he'll do relicking and stuff on them and so they all look a little you know they're all unique okay you know as, as opposed to you know like a, a strat where you have 100 strats that look exactly the same sure sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah, it's really nice and it looks pretty too to boot, so you can't go wrong there. And and for what we're doing with algorithms, it's perfect because he's got that yeah. got that like that the high, you know, the 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 mids and the high end, that growly yeah. high end. It has. Yeah, and in that kind of you know, I call it the P bass rattle. But yeah. you know that you know Matt Freeman from Rancid, you know, is you know probably my biggest influence as far as what I want the bass to sound like on a yeah. recording. And totally. this this does exactly that. You know, it was a lot of. Um, this is the kind of thing which I guess I was aware of, but like as I got older and, and now I've recorded a lot of um, a lot of different albums, getting the bass right in a, in a recording it it can be tricky. It's also 
a much bigger subject than I realized. Yeah. Like there's, you know, like getting those mids right with the bass and getting the high frequency zing on it and everything, just sitting it right in the mix, just perfect, but still having the tune supported, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think I'm sure Hector can, can appreciate this as well. You know, it's trying to get, depending on what you're playing the song on, the bass is the one part of the song that just seems to be the most unpredictable yeah. yeah i'll listen to something on my phone and you can't hear the bass at all then you'll listen to the car and it's just booming yeah it's it's a really tricky beast hey doesn't doesn't have to know it uh it, and it's and it's crazy it's uh you know both on the upright and on the electric i've had issues where i've recorded something everything seems fine and like you said yeah. you know it it could sound fine here and it sounds like complete mud over yeah. there um or vice versa you know it it could sound like mud here and then I put it in the car or something. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Or it sounds great and then I put it in the car or somewhere else and suddenly like oh, the bottom end just drops yeah. out and it's all highs and it's yeah, yeah it's it's, it's, so a, it's a tricky it's but a tricky it has such beast. a huge range of frequencies, you know. <clears throat> yeah. And those those big bass frequencies are unruly. They're hard yeah, to control. It's a fine line to walk but you know, to and I and I do it on our live shows with the upright. It's a fine line to walk to have that that kind of beefy booming bottom end without it getting muddy and still yep. being able to punch through with your mids and your highs to, yep. to be able to hear the individual notes you yeah know? it's definitely a trick you I, know? I think when we were mastering do what you want i think the one thing that i spent the most time on was trying to get the bass sound right yeah and we would get in different cars and drive around and listen to it and say okay that's there's nothing worse than a tune that like has like very noticeably lacking bass yeah and then there's uh, and then if it's completely taken over by bass it's not heavy anymore yeah. you know it doesn't have yeah. a punch to it so yeah it's a tricky one and speaking I mean, speaking of bass on that song by the way that's a killer bass line man thank you <laughs> yeah yeah it's, I think I think Ben actually deserves credit for that one more than me. But <laughs> it was. It, well, did you play it? I mean, you know, you, you, I, I will you, be you playing some, it live. You get the, some uh, the studio recording. You get maybe, some credit. Maybe more of this guy. This guy yeah, to my right. No, it was. It was killer, we, man. We definitely teamed up with that one. But there's. I tell you what. There's. It, just the bass lines that you've been you've been coming up with, man. You know, half of that's there's some like there's some like filigree and runs on that that I didn't yeah. figure out. But outside of that, you know, yeah, I mean, we, you... you know, kind of the uh, the philosophy is fastest driver drives the car, and you know, a lot of times Ben and I have like one hour to work on something, sure. and so it just becomes a question of you know he's a more you know technically proficient sure, player it. than I am, so it's easier for him just to lay it down so we can move on to the next thing. Which is, you know, one of the things I said to Keith very early on in this process is, like, make sure you tell me if I'm, like, just doing everything. Because I I can have a – and, he, you know, Keith definitely stands up for himself, you know, when it counts. And, and because, you know, you can – it's stiff. I'm the eldest child, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I mean it, it's – you know, it's – a non-ego thing not an ego thing but right. like letting go of that and be like i don't have to be the one that has to play every single note on yeah. this thing right you no know, i feel that and actually everything about this project doesn't have that kind of ego's problem with it yeah you know it's like we're just trying to do it yeah you know and just whatever like, sounds and you know ryan was asking about you know okay when i do the drums like what do you want to hear and i was like the only thing i want is for a you to like it and B for it to be fun for you to play, yeah. You know, and as long as it serves the song, it, it I don't care who plays it or how they play it. Yeah, that's yeah. been my main focus on this is 
how much fun can I possibly yeah, have, yeah. you know, recording and playing. So Totally, man. Sounds like I need to pick up the saxophone again and, there you go. and, yeah, and, yeah. and invite myself onto your uh, parade here. <laughs> we, we need a horn section. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I'm pretty stoked about it. The, you know, I guess now everyone who's listening to this has, has heard that first single. It's all like rollicking kind of, you know, ska punk and, and, and the kind of thing that I was doing less of because No Name Ska Band... Um, didn't break up but you know scattered to the four winds so um you know it, it just came at a, a really good time and, and now i have this ambush so I'm, i've got tons yeah. of punk rock going we, on we filled life. that scar shaped hole so, in your hearts yeah <laughs> so so I, I feel like i need to bring it up you know that we we always joke around about the uh the justin giannutos and the uh oh, andy yeah, johnson's of the world one of so, these guys. yeah like how many bands are yeah. you in at this point <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> happened, i've become one of those guys <laughs> we, uh, we need to call andy see if he wants it on the algorithm store right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean you know yeah i've been actually I, I acted kind of a bit surprised then but i know i've been thinking in the back of my head i'm like oh no i'm one of those guys. you are <laughs> you are a band you've you've made it <laughs> it's a club it's a close-knit club i think once you hit five bands you're officially in the club yeah. right <laughs> ben's a scene all upon himself oh man <laughs> um well listen um it's been super fun being able to get you on here this was a bit of an impromptu idea you know to get together and do this and talk about algorithms but it couldn't have um come at a better time because it's coming out at the end of the month and you know yeah it's good timing we we thank the guests that didn't show tonight (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally when's the official release date for the single january 31st okay yeah. Which, which I, technically we should have, I guess, picked the last Friday of the month since Friday is new release day. But we just went with January 31st. Yeah, fair I enough. Like it. I like yeah. it. There's something, you know, meaningful about some that. Some punk day. rock about not doing it in some mainstream. That's right, man. yeah. Do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Do what you want. Do what you man. want. <laughs> yeah, January 31st is what we wanted to do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything we need to talk about in terms of like the festival or anything? Uh, yeah, buy tickets. Yeah. Buy lots of tickets. You don't I have s- to go. Yeah. Just buy the tickets. I, <laughs> I, I saw. I, I got a link uh, that tickets are on sale. I saw that. Uh, so we set we set up uh, all the all the links and everything. We set up the website. We got everything going, and uh, and then the the system we use says, uh, "Do you want to?" notify everyone who's purchased a ticket in the past, and I said, "Yes, yes, oh, we do." There you go. <laughs> and uh, just like that. Whole bunch of tickets sold first day. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was pretty excited. Yeah, um, cool. But yeah, uh, you know, five six one music fest. This will be number three. Five six one music fest.com or five six one music festival.com if you feel so inclined to spell the whole thing out. Um, either one of them will get you to the ticket links. It's ten dollars for the ticket, twenty bands, two stages. Matthew's Brewing now has a scratch kitchen, so there's food, there's beer. Um, it, it's it's gonna be a full, full day, just like it always yeah. has been. Um, this is number three, guys. You know, the first one was a test run, the second one was like uh, holy crap, we did it once, let's do it again. Yeah. This is number three, so we're here to stay. Man. Now we're in business. This is it. Just, it's a real festival yeah. now. We're here to stay. It's going to yeah. be the best um, one yet, I think. And uh, and so uh, we, with that being said, we brought back the uh, twenty five dollar ticket. We did we did decide to do that, or cool. I, I decided to do that. Nice, <laughs> hey man. Decide away. Yeah, I decided to do that because uh, I got a, I got a fancy new screen printing machine, and I I printed up a whole bunch of shirts for my son's band to go on tour, and, and I got pretty good at it, like really fast crash course. And Sweet. I went, you know what? 
we're doing shirts for this. For this yeah, uh, why don't you got it? Shirts got a for everyone. <laughs> it, it would be weird if we didn't. You have one in your house. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so ten dollars, uh, ten dollars gets you the twenty bands. Uh, twenty five dollars gets you a ticket and a shirt, which is handmade a, shirt. Yeah, handmade shirt, which is uh, twenty, which is twenty five dollars, which is uh, ten dollars off of the door price because if you buy it at the door, it'll be ten for the ticket and twenty five for the shirt. So it's a deal to do it up front. Um, all you got to do is tell us your your size, and uh, we'll we'll have it right, ready and waiting for you when you get there. Yeah, wicked. I'm looking forward to yeah. messing around with some uh, Kilbilly shirts. With You're this not thing, allowed. Man. <laughs> 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 but Keith, feel free to come over and do some uh, algorithm shirts. I would love to do that. Actually, that, that, sound, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> we we won't be playing the. Uh, the storied five six one music festival this year, but we will be in attendance out in the audience. So hell yeah, yeah man. Hell yeah. How's I feel like yeah. I, I feel like at this point, you know, like like you know, we've been doing I've been doing the graph I've been doing some graphic stuff and then we do the print print stuff and I've got the screen printer. I actually when I got the screen printer was a like two months ago or something, and I just got around to getting around to using it. And then for Christmas, my wife bought me a vinyl cutter. Yeah. So like I, you know, I started joking around with with Gavin the other day, and he said, "Dad, you should just, you know, just finish the loop, man." He goes, he goes, get like a stitch machine, a stitching machine. Yeah. And he's like, and then just start doing band merch, you know, like yeah, start yeah. a website, yeah. cheapbandmerch.com or something. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, and he's yeah, not man. wrong. No, no, <laughs> absolutely. And this has been on my mind a lot. This kind of stuff as well. This kind of, you know. It's not going to be very long. We do this podcast. We work at this place. We're surrounded by musicians all the time. It's not going to be long before all the puzzle pieces fall into place, and it just is a record label. Uh, I don't I, know I, when that's going to happen. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you, man. It's, you, you know, I've been talking about it for a while now, and yeah. I've been, I've been, you know, mulling over the idea of Five Six One Music Records. I mean, yeah. it just seems like we did the podcast. It was successful. We did the music festival. Like I said, it's successful enough that we're doing number three now. Yeah. And um, it just, no, I really want to do it. It I'd... just seems like the next natural step. It's just a matter of like all the moving parts are there. Yeah. It's just a matter of us corralling them all and and figuring out what that model looks like. I've got to figure. I feel like if it, it was surrounding, if the whole thing was built on the bedrock of we actually do produce vinyl. Yeah. Then it would make everything make sense around it. Sure. So, like, I've just now my newest thing is we gotta get into is, that. We gotta we gotta look at, at how yeah. to get into that. Yeah, totally. For yeah. sure. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, listen. Um. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Nice to have Hector back. Thank God. <laughs> and uh, yeah. All right. Well, we will see. We'll see you next time. And uh, that's about it. I got nothing. Yeah. I'm Peace. good. All right. <laughs>